I think, first of all, I think that all, and in all strongman competition, there's got to be some man-on-man man man type of competition. It's crazy. You know, all the, through the ages, strongest man was the guy that could, uh, uh, could lift the heaviest and beat up the other guys, not necessarily beating, but wrestle, wrestle them to the ground or whatever. It was it kind of like, it has to be a little more man-to-man, not just uh, doing it get inanimate uh, object. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to strength icon Odd Haugen, whose decades-long career in strength is the stuff of legend. Originally from Norway, he's an accomplished champion powerlifter and fitness entrepreneur who's owned and operated some of the most storied gyms in America. He also has a long history in strongman, winning the 1999 Strongest Man in America contest and competing at several World Strongest Man contests well into his 50s. Haugen has been instrumental in bringing Moss wrestling to Western audiences, and he's now on a mission to popularize the sport of arm lifting a sport where his world-class grip strength makes him one of the most dominant athletes out there, even into his 70s. He also coached 2019 World Strongest Man Martins Lysis from a relative strength beginner to one of the best athletes on the planet. It's a career that's impossible to sum up in an intro, so let's get right to the conversation. Thanks so much for joining today. I'm I'm really glad to be chatting with you. We've actually chatted uh, on this podcast with a few folks that you've trained, including uh, Martins. So it, it's really good to kind of go to the source, the godfather of of strength, as many people have called you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, for those who might not know your distinguished career in strength sports, some folks might might know you primarily as a coach. Some folks might know you primarily uh, for popularizing moss wrestling. Um, but take us back to kind of where your strength career began, if you don't mind. Well, I go all the way back to primarily bodybuilding as I was growing up, and I was doing multi. There was no formal thing of any kind of it. Uh, bodybuilding, bodybuilding was what uh, inspired me. And, um, but because I was living, uh, in the rural Norway at the time and, uh, there was not even weight sets. I made my own and, uh, <clears throat> started reading magazine from UK, from, uh, USA and other countries and just learning about, uh, strength sports. So I, I tried everything as I was growing up and uh, only when I was 16, 17, when I moved to the city to go to school, I, um, did I get to start working out in the gym. And at that point, I started immediately competing in bodybuilding and I competed in, uh, in uh, yeah, Olympic weightlifting, in uh, powerlifting. And powerlifting was, I didn't know it at the time, but it was brand new at the time, actually, because uh, powerlifting actually uh, didn't start till like... 64, 65, I think the first national championship in the U.S. was in 65. And I 
actually won the 1968 uh, uh, Junior National Championship in, the, in, the, in Norway. So I was pretty early <laughs> as a powerlifter. Not a very good one, but uh, as a powerlifter. So I'm curious, uh, training, I, and people have different stories about this. When they're training growing up, they might not have access to strength equipment. What did you build some of your earliest weight sets out of? I, well, initially I bought a bit of model Birchwood, and I used to keep like a, one of those old, old-fashioned sink uh, uh, bathtubs and had it water, and I left them in water to keep them uh, to keep them heavy because otherwise they would dry out and get light. Uh, so I basically had the original dumbbell logs. <laughs> <laughs> we see that you see people on Instagram; they're working out at an outdoor gym with the dumbbells made out of out of wood, out of of logs. But you're like, I've been doing that for years. Yeah, that was like you know mid sixty, mid sixty, early sixties actually. So, what do you remember the first time you ever trained with a a real you know metal weight set with barbells and and, and plates? Oh, not not too long afterwards because I started saving up my money and I was I started buying weights and I had a bar made. I remember I had a bar made that was uh, probably you know the plates the normal plates are like just one one inch thick, right? Not that uh, right now, like the standard plates, the Olympic plates, I had those uh, small plates. And uh, so I had a bar that was thicker and I had it uh, machined down at the end so that you could fit the plates on. So I didn't need to put in the uh, collars just go on the outside. They didn't need an inside collar. So the plate, I don't know how tall, it would thick the bar would have been, but it probably was a one and a, maybe close to one and a half inch thick, I think. Well, a truly, a truly custom setup. So tell us about... You know, you start competing in powerlifting. You won the Norway Junior Nationals in 1968. Moving into the 70s, did you continue competing in in powerlifting? Because you've done pretty much every strength sport under the sun at this point. So, how did your career evolve the next decade or so? Well, through 1970, I uh, competed in you know primarily in bodybuilding, but I did also powerlifting. And and my last year in Norway, that I was like living in Norway as a as I was growing up before I coming to the to college in the U.S. I I won the uh, actually, my in 1970, I got third place in the uh, I think in the powerlifting nationals, but uh, won uh, the uh, Olympic weightlifting uh, nationals and won uh, the senior nationals in uh, in uh, bodybuilding, Mr. Norway. When did you start as a junior? When did coaching start coming into the mix? When did you start uh, coaching others? Really not. Probably well, when we got involved in strongman, which was long, long time afterwards, you know, 20 years later, 20, 25 years later. Uh, then, you know, when you're training with people, you're helping people out. And uh, really that how I got into strongman was coaching. I, I, I was, uh, you know, as a gym entrepreneur in the 80s and I had a, a number of gold gyms and you open up gold gyms in Hawaii. And uh, in Hawaii, they had Hawaii Strongest Man. This was early 90s. And uh, and uh, I said, oh, that's my interesting. i got to go and see that. And then I, when the first time I went to see it, one of the guys from my gym that I knew from my, our gym, he had a very large school's gym at the time, the world's largest school's gym in Honolulu. And, uh, and he was uh, uh, competing in it, and he's really strong. He was a bodybuilder, but he was a really, really strong guy. But he had no clue what he was doing. And like, I mean, I know that I had, but I was just looking at the equipment. I said, okay, that's how you're going to do it. But I, I could tell he was struggling. He was just using all his power for nothing. So I, I, I so I started helping him out during that competition and I coached him through to winning it. <laughs> so he won it and that was first or three times he won it. So next year I helped him out preparing for it a little bit. So, you know, he primarily was lifting 
for bodybuilding, but he was uh, lifting very heavy. So, but he, I, I was calm, and that was kind of my my thing too. I only really trained for bodybuilding all the way through the years. I competed in everything else. I trained for bodybuilding, but it, I'm trying to make it more functional. I think he was he was kind of a little bit bit less functional than me, but uh, he was very very strong. And uh, so first next year I uh, I coached him. The next year I coached him. I also jumped in and competed, and I got fourth place. So um, <clears throat> one thing you was the first to parlor. That was the first uh, strongman competition I did, and now I was probably I, I think it was like forty six maybe. So that was that we're talking like early to mid nineties, right? Yeah, mid nineties. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, what are what are some of your fondest memories of competing in strongman after that? Uh, there's so many of them. I mean, I, I always enjoyed competing. Sometimes, you know, if you had a bad, bad start, I said, "Oh shit, why, why would, <laughs> why am I doing this still?" And then, you know, it just uh, usually you stick with it and uh, you get better. And usually, there was a good outcome at the end. Uh, uh, never satisfied with my performance, but uh, usually satisfied enough that I wanted to go and do it again and get better next time. So, uh, yeah, the, the greatest thing was in 19. I guess 1999 at the um, uh, American uh, Full Strength Challenge, where they had the strongest men in America competition. And we had 20 athletes, and I, I was kind of a late entry come in and I, and competing. And it was 20 guys, and we had two days of competition. The first day, we had a uh, we we're going to eliminate down to uh, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to field after the first day and do five events the first day, five the next day. And I, w uh, I won the first day and then uh, got the second day and won that as well. And uh, that was uh, really, uh, you know, obviously that was uh, probably my best performance ever because I performed well in every event and uh, and I'm pretty satisfied with everything I did because I woke up the morning of the competition with a kink in my neck that I couldn't move my head. And I competed the entire time with that and at the end of the competition I couldn't even take my arm down from holding it. I had to walk around actually on the left arm like this. I had to walk around like this. I could not uh, take it down. It was so painful. <laughs> Everyone just thought you were yeah. waving hello the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it was uh, but you know, I you know, sucked it up and did each event and and uh, I was very happy to uh, to win it because I was, you know, I was 49 and I was going against 23 and 24, 5 year olds that were uh, Best competitors in there, so it was uh, it was a great uh, great uh, victory. One thing you're you're known for is your prodigious grip strength. When did that? When did you start realizing that your grip strength was was truly that gr that great compared to uh, you know others who were in the field? Uh, I don't know. I, I when you started competing in like uh, the arm lifting with the Rolling Thunder uh, back uh, you know around two thousand. I think we had 2000, we had the first ones. And I realized I was as stronger than all the other pros, basically, or as strong as anybody. The ones that had the best grip in the world. Uh, but also, I always knew that I had a good grip because I, as soon as I started doing farmer's work and stuff like that, my my competitors in uh, in uh, in uh, Hawaii started calling me vice, the vice grip Viking because uh, I, you know, I would always I'd beat them easily in uh, in carrying uh, events uh, with my, my grip. But I never really trained my grip specifically, but I always not did not train it. But in other words, I never used really rarely would use straps or any air or any grip aids, and so I tried to challenge it. 
And this went on through my entire strongman career, pretty much. I didn't really train specifically for it. I may do like Rolling Thunder once in a while because of the arm lifting competitions we had. And then we started doing the the uh, double over and axle lifts and stuff like that, which also I really enjoy uh, doing. So, yes, <clears throat> I I don't know. Uh, I started competing against the best in the world, and I'm still competing against the best in the world. And I'm certainly competitive in my weight group, weight class. I mean, uh, under 125, I'm uh, uh, very, very uh, competitive. There are some big monsters up there that are six foot ten. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> like I'm Carl, 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 uh, Carl Myerskoff, for example, from UK. I'm glad they have weight classes for that because once you get to a certain size of human, their hands are just—they're like bowling balls. It's just not yeah. you can't compare them to the rest of us. Yeah, it is. It is. It is not as sensitive to the weight itself. It's just kind of the body size, you know. But I mean, there's some incredibly strong guys around, like the uh, 90, 100 kilos, you know, the 200 pound, three, 220. Down in Texas, there's a couple of guys that are just out of this world strong, and uh, in, in and uh, that you know that uh, brings me to the you know we are doing for the first time together with Juju Mufu because he's very interested in grip and he has a company called Grip Genie. So together with them, we're doing uh, the world, the Arm Lifting USA World Super Series of, um, uh, of grip, basically. And we have, there's going to be events held in multiple locations in the first two weeks of August and the first two weeks of December. And the combined score uh, will create uh, uh, the champion in the champions in uh, four divisions for men and two divisions for women. And um, uh, we have uh, right now we have uh, we have committed six thousand dollars to it uh, for the prize money, uh, and we got some sponsor coming in, so it will probably be probably seven or eight thousand dollars in total prize money when they're all said and done. For people who aren't familiar with arm lifting, what are some of the events that you know we might see at these competitions that you all are hosting? Okay. Yeah, for example, the the first, the the the. Um, uh, Traditional arm lifting, the way we started arm lifting was with the rolling thunder, the rolling handle, uh, gripper from uh, Iron Mine, and with the, then uh, developed into using uh, using the axle, and then uh, like a Saxon bar and stuff like that. So there's a lot, plus there's a lot of individual implements like that. For the World uh, uh, Super Series, we are using the Exogeny equipment. Uh, first event is going to be like on the regular bar, except for you use putting on like a uh, genie grips, which are basically the same as like the blue uh, fat grips. So you're lifting that double over and with uh, blue fat grips, basically uh, for max weight. All this to max. Second event would be a um, a rolling handle, like the rolling thunder, but it's called a rolling thing from uh, from uh, from um, grip genie. And the third event is a vertical type of lift, where you have a and like it would be an Excalibur, you think, you know, you had to pull something out with your hand around the, around the piece, which is about two inches thick, and it's called the uh, hilt. And uh, so the combine of these and the three other events that will be held in uh, December will provide the champion. And this would be interesting. We are, we are also kind of like, you know, of course, this is the first year you were doing it. <laughs> we will have, right now we have... Uh, Approximately, I think, 20 uh, venues. And we're looking for a few more venues. Uh, we are, we've gotten a lot of venues in the U.S. And now 
a little more difficult for the U for uh, Europe because of the everything because of the coronavirus and stuff like that has created shipping problems to getting the equipment because everybody's going to have the same equipment so they had to get the equipment on time. So that's been a little bit of a problem. Otherwise, we would have a number of countries in Europe that uh, wants to do it. Yeah, I mean, the equipment has to be very consistent because if something is um, even a millimeter thicker in one implement versus something someone else is using, it's not a fair contest. Yeah, that has to be identical, particularly if you're paying money. So it's going to be the same equipment. But anyway, uh, yeah, we think so. We're still looking for, for, for a few more venues. Uh, the first competitions will go off on like August 1st. Uh, and, uh, uh, but uh, like, uh, any day between August 1st and August 15th, they can hold the competition. The result will not be announced. They'll be submitted to Armifting USA. They'll be evaluated and then be announced after the closing date. And then, um, <clears throat> of course, then uh, we have the same thing going on in December. So it's going to be a lot, very exciting. And with Juju Mufi uh, involved in it, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's doing one, one venue, uh, doing a venue at his place, and I think it's limited a bit to how many people he, he can take, but uh, people are welcome to check it out. And we, of course, we're doing one at the training hall uh, on, uh, I think, August uh, 6th or 7th, something like that, Saturday. And um, we're also doing one on August 1st at the Wreckage Gym with uh, Martins. And I think both Martins and I will lift in the one there. So if somebody's interested to come in and challenge us or just even have a, a good time and one of those come and uh, lift with us on August 1st at Reckitt. Tell us a little or bit about... Oh, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about the training hall, uh, because it's, it's, it's somewhat famous in certain strength communities. People might not know what I'm referring to there, but tell us a little bit about it, your involvement, and, and how folks can learn more about that. Well, it, it's basically where we started here, but I got moved to California from... Uh, uh, from Norway, I, I went back to Norway. I worked in Norway for a few years, for a few years, uh, and I, I came back to U.S. and I came back to Southern California. So I looked for a house where I had enough room to train at home because I had a, a baby uh, and actually another one baby, and uh, and so we had kids. So I didn't want to go. You know, I was going to work. I was an executive, uh, uh, fitness ex executive. So I had to go to work. And so when I come home, I don't want to be going to a gym somewhere. I want to work out at home. So I created a whole kind of the, a training hall at the, at the home. It was basically our garage, but it was very, very large garage and a large, large driveway. So I had pretty much everything there and uh, started getting people started coming and wanted to train there and stuff like that. And that's how Martins came and started training with me also. But um, that when the kids moved away and... Uh, I looked at my, I looked at, I said, wait a minute, why the hell am I having all these people coming to my house? I, I like to get my driveway back. So, um, I, uh, so, uh, so we looked for, uh, looked for some, uh, commercial space, found a really good, uh, location where we have about 3000 square feet inside another, almost the same amount outside. Um, and, uh, we, uh, that's where uh, Martins had trained for years uh, after he trained at my house first and then there. And then uh, now he also has record, so he goes both places. Well, tell us we a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. We have, oh. we have a little more room than they have at the record to, to do strongman. 
Well, I was just, I was just curious. Tell us a little bit about, you know, it's kind of famous. Martinez tells the story of, he kind of walked in your gym and said, you know, can you, can you trade me? And I'm not sure if this is correct, but I've heard from a few folks that you looked at him and you're like, eh, you got to get, you got to get stronger first. No one's going to, you're not quite a serious strength athlete. Tell us about what, what really happened when he approached you about, about working with him and his early days of training with you. No, yeah, he was probably about 20 years old when he called me. Yeah, actually, he called me about competing at the uh, All-American uh, 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 Strength Challenge at the La La Fit Expo. And that's a pro-am contest, a pretty high level and very heavy weights. I said, uh, and he called me and I asked him, are you competing before? Yeah, you done an amateur competition in Massachusetts. I said, you know, why don't you come out and uh, check out the equipment? All the equipment is right here so we can try it out. And uh, he came out, and of course, his equipment was way too heavy for him at the time. He was probably like 220 pounds or something like that, dripping wet, but great uh, athlete. So he st- so uh, I told him he could come on and start training there, and that's what he did. He started training. And for the next, uh, I think, two, three years, he wanted to go compete. I mean, he's so uh, so competitive and wanted to compete. And I kept telling him, as you can't do it, you just got to be a crew. You're not good enough to compete in it. So the... First year, I allow him to compete. Of course, he blew everybody away. And that's when he became a pro and, and, uh, and, and then went and got third place at uh, Giants Live and then went to the World Strongest Man. So, I mean, it, it's not that long ago. It was like five years ago. I mean, like, things like 2015 was it 2015 or 16. I'm not 100% sure. No, I think it's 2015 that he got to go and win it here. Well, people, people kind of, I remember early on in those days, because Barbed was pretty new, but he kind of burst onto the scene and a lot of folks were like, where is this kid from? Because he just seemed like a kid. He was so, he was, he was so young and just had this massive potential. Wasn't the biggest guy, didn't, you know, wasn't going to deadlift necessarily the most, but it was just so athletic. What do you think are, you know, what do you think makes him different about, uh, you know, and what do you think helps make him successful as a competitor besides obviously his incredible work ethic? Yeah, he's, uh, of course, he's, uh, he has a really good foundation. His dad uh, was very uh, instrumental in helping him, uh, learning how to do Olympic lifting. His dad had done some Olympic lifting back in Latvia. Uh, and uh, so Martins had learned how to do uh, do lift properly. So when he came here and when we were lifting just weights in here, I could tell, I mean, this guy really knows what he's doing. And the other part was that right from the beginning, <coughs> he was very... Conscious about preparing before he did any kind of lifting or any kind of event. So <laughs> I knew he had the right attitude about doing the thing, not just jumping in and doing doing, doing the weights. And uh, the other thing I think is, you know, he has a great deal of athletic ability, but he also has this has a great switch switch off. I mean, he can be casual, uh, Martins, and he's not so, uh, you know, he, he won't lift that much, but, uh, you know, just... Uh, uh, s- s- turn on the switch, and all of a sudden, you have this uh, I- incredible uh, uh, competitor. I want to transition a little bit to talk about something else you're known for. We've touched on so many strength sports and your impact there and your career in those. Moss wrestling is something that I know you're very passionate about, and you've done quite a bit to promote. How did you first come across that sport? What's your what was like? What initially grabbed you there? Well, it was sort of like I I. I uh, I think, first of all, I think that all in an old strongman competition, there's got to be some man-on-man on, man on man type of competition. It's crazy. You know, all the, through the ages, strongest man was the guy that could uh, uh, could lift the heaviest and beat up the other guys. Not necessarily beating, but wrestle, wrestle them to the ground 
or whatever. It was it kind of like it has to be a little more man to man, not just uh, doing it get inanimate uh, object. So I was looking for things, you know, traditional kind. You can't have people go in there and do fist fighting because that that's a different sport, <laughs> or 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 or, 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 or street fighting. Or, yeah, they, I mean, they uh, have that, else. but that's a different thing. Yeah, that's a different sport, and they're a great sport, but. Uh, but uh, we needed something where people, you know, get get hurt. That you know, you know, you know, they hit each other, uh, and yet do it. And something that has some traditions in strength and proving strength. And uh, so you know, you have sumo, you have uh, you have uh, Cumberland wrestling, which is also a a, a type of uh, uh, you know uh, Viking orientated uh, sport where they lock up and uh, wrestle. And uh, which I grew up with, we we did that all the time. But that again is uh, very difficult when you have people when you have people that are as big as, for example, uh, Brian Shaw. I mean, even if I had to wrestle Brian Shaw, I couldn't even reach around them. Or I, I don't know if there's anybody else that could reach around them. Basically, maybe Haftor, you know, the only ones that could do it. So that wouldn't be a good one. But anyway, so I I I come across the the, the stick wrestling or mass wrestling, and I. Introduced it to in in um, 2013 LA Pit Expo at the All American. We I allowed the top eight competitors in the All American to compete for more money in what I called combat uh, co- uh, strongman combat. And I had uh, uh, pole push, which is a traditional uh, Highland game type of uh, 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 event that had been used in uh, strongman in the past. I used uh, mass wrestling, which has also been used in past in strongman because it was a uh, old. It, it isn't just from Russia. It also the the, the Highland Games had it in it back up through the uh, 1930s at least, and then um, then a, a traditional uh, one-on-one uh, rope pull. You know, I mean um, tug of war with rope. So those three events. And uh, so I created a circle and all this stuff that, that for, and 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 uh, and the uh, most wrestling platform, and they all did it. And and actually, the first champion was uh, was uh, Obi or uh, uh, Robert uh, Oberst. He won the won the whole thing. Uh, I was the biggest guy there, but he was also is uh, very athletic, and was so. So when you're doing pole pushing and or you're doing. Uh, uh, rope pulling or monsters and all are a lot of athletic uh, uh, parts to it. But what I discovered when we had it there was that everybody wanted to try it. And we had lines standing around the corner for people to come up and sit on the platform of pool. And when they did it, everybody was going crazy because, of, you know, we had two girls come up or two guys. And they usually are friends and they brought their friends to see who was the strongest and stuff like that. And it was just uh, fantastic. I said, you know, this is an... Uh, so... I'd been asked by the Russian uh, International Federation out of Russia that uh, you know to kind of take it up at night. and realize that yeah, this could be really popular because people really like to do it and they like to try it. And this is kind of something that anybody can do. Not necessarily anybody can be good at because you know you got to be strong, you got to be agile, you you, you can't be a uh, klutz. But uh, you know most people can get some enjoyment out of it. So that's how it started back in 2013. 
What an amazing, uh, what an amazing sport. And I think something that every time we write about it, a barb and people just, oftentimes people are hearing about it for the first time. It's still not something that everyone knows about, um, but they love competing in it. There's a whole international competition circuit. You can represent team USA if you're good enough. So it is, it is a real legitimate sport where you can compete at a very high level. And I think a lot of people don't know that yet. Yeah, we don't, uh, you know, when we compete internationally, we're not competing like in a, in a parking lot or anything like that. It's all like uh, when we went to our, the first world championship in 2014, uh, Martins was there too. He, he got silver medal. Uh, we were competing, uh, you know, on the, the finals, probably at least uh, uh, 10,000 people uh, in an intimate uh, stadium. We felt they all felt like we were in the UFC fights. It was that kind of atmosphere. But it was not only like that. For all the preliminary fights, it was full of people for two days during the day. Bloom, you know, completely full at night. But uh, even during the day, it was almost full of uh, people. It was uh, unbelievable. And uh, yeah, quite. I was. I was just going to say, what do you think is of all of the strength disciplines you've explored? Which do you think has the most potential for further growth? Well, I think it, it, it has been a lot of growth in all the strength sports right now. And, and I'm uh, kind of happy to see that powerlifting is getting a resurgence because uh, of uh, they getting rid of some of the equipment. You know, the equipment is going less and less equipment and more and more natural. And it's a kind of a fun sport. It's an easy sport to do. So, so I'm happy to see that. I think that uh, the um, uh, strongman is getting more uh, ubiquitous. More people can uh, participate in because of weight classes and stuff like that. And Strongman Corporation has done a fantastic job with Dion uh, on, on the spreading it in the U.S. I mean, it's really popular. Um, I think we have, uh, in many ways, with mass wrestling, uh, we have a, a good opportunity. We have actually a two-hour feature movie coming out uh, towards the end of the year. It's uh, made in Yakutia, where the birthplace of the, of the sport and it's uh, one of these like uh, rocky stories, except for it's in Yakutia. It's not even in Russian, and it's uh, subtitled in, in in Russian and in English. And uh, and of course, she has uh, has uh, Americans in it. But it's uh, it's uh, basically uh, really like a rocky story, and and it looks like the quality is good. I've seen the, the seen seen stuff from it, and uh, uh, they are award winning. Uh, 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 filmmakers, both uh, directors and and uh, and uh, and cinematography, uh, uh, and uh, and the uh, uh, so I think it's going to be very good, and it's going to be good for uh, mass wrestling because then they will expose it. You know, hopefully they'll get it on Netflix or on uh, Amazon or one of those major ones in the U.S. That way, uh, you know, a ton of people will see it and they'll see something that's really exciting because the the competition is, you know, intense and fierce and fast, and you know it doesn't last. And it's easy to see who wins too. It's not like it's not like you had to guess as to who, who won that. Yeah, you, you know? don't have to count the you don't have to count the plates on the barbell if you're in the audience. No, you can just see. No. Yeah, you see. But uh, so that would be great. I think we are doing really good. We started, you know, the arm lifting USA. Uh, uh, say uh, no, it's like 2018, I think, after we came back. From 2017 uh, uh, World Championship in Russia, the APL World, the uh, the Armlifting Professional League uh, World Championship, and we said, you know, hey, we should start and get more formal about it here in the U.S. So we started it, and we have 30, 40, 50 contests now a year uh, in armlifting, and of course this year, 
been less because of the COVID over the last uh, last 12, 14 months, but still some competitions. And of course, now we have the World Super Series. So I think that is a potential because that's something that anybody can do. Really, I find at the training hall, we have a, like an arm lifting day on Sunday and we have anywhere from 10 to 20 people coming out and uh, trying out different implements and stuff like that. And everybody at their own level and in uh, all our competition, we get people competing and, uh, you know, you, you can compete against yourself. We have multiple weight classes and uh, we give out medals uh, like in our powerlifting to every weight class. So it's like, uh, you know, if you're only one that's that size, you're still going to win. Or if there's two of you, you fight over it. But in any case, uh, it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of different things. And it'll be funny, fun to see that, uh, you know, you may have this fantastic grip. Like in my case, I have a good grip on certain things and I'm very good at certain things. But other things, I'm not so good. They can beat me. And uh, they'll love that when they can beat me. And, uh, and, and uh, So... Uh, yeah, because grip is a funny, funny thing. It's uh, very specific, and uh, so uh, some people are good in certain things, but a lot of uh, very strong, smaller people. You know, because of uh, the climbers and stuff like that. And one of the guys that come and compete here with us a lot is uh, from uh, the American Ninja Warriors. He's been done it for like six, seven years, I think, and now he's kind of retired from that. But now he's doing arm lifting, and he's quite good. So, yeah, the, and, and of course, powerlifters, anybody that wants to actually continue trading and competing and being strong can do it, but you're not wearing yourself down. Yeah, fair enough. Like, yeah, like I, I, when I just had a, I'm just coming off of bronchitis and I, I just, no way I can work out, but I was able to do my, I was able to put in my, the time and do, do my arm lifting workouts. I couldn't do my wrestling because I didn't want to take a chance of making it worse than it was. And uh, being on antibiotics is not going to uh, be good anyway. But I've, I was able to do my arm lifting. So I'm very happy to say that even though it was a couple, couple of weeks here, I kind of off the track when it came to training, I was able to do arm lifting. But it's a good old full body because I'm doing deadlift. I go up to maybe like 400 pounds in deadlift if they're a double over. And so there's still a good uh, training deadlift. Uh, and um, even when I'm doing a Saxon bar or something like that, which is only maybe go to 100 kilo. Uh, in training for uh, training, uh, doing reps with that in uh, in in deadlift is still great uh, body work. It it might they might sound like light numbers comparatively for you, but for other people listening to this, they're like, "Wow, those that seems really heavy." But I, I I get the point. It's not as taxing as doing say training for a full powerlifting competition would right. be. I mean, then you'd be lifting much more. That would be the lightweight, and then you'd be going up from there. You know, so it's hard on your body. And doing that for too long time is uh, very hard on your body. But arm lifting is one of those things that you can do. And we just even changed the weight, you know, the categories on age categories. We started having, we had a normal 40 plus as a master's. There's no yet. Everybody in 40 is be- are better now. By and large, the best guys in the world is going to be 40 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had years to yeah. build up. And that even, yeah, yeah. And even yeah, because they've been lifting for so many years. And, and like 50 plus is not uh, even very, very good. But um, but if you start the masters at fifty plus and sixty and seventy and stuff like that. But anyway, the uh, but there uh, you know once in a while you have these freak uh, guys you know like uh, Martin's obviously very strong and he's only thirty uh, obviously and uh, obviously he's he's very competitive in there. Well, Ode, I really appreciate you taking the time. Where is the best place for people to keep up to date with the work you're doing? 
Well, firstly, my own website, oddehaugen.com, has all the events I put on. Uh, more specifics are uh, mosswrestlingusa.com and all the things about the World Super Series you can find on armliftingusa.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot. <laughs>